Well, good morning. It is good to see you here on this New Year's Day. It's one of the days where a lot of people will sleep in. But I am glad that you chose to come here this morning and worship Christ with us. I tell you, it's uh, also been one of those weeks where a lot of our family families are going through a lot of sickness. I, I want to reiterate this fact that sickness is going to come. If you feel bad, we will not be hurt if you stay at home. Uh, it, we, God understands. Now, if you use that excuse to stay at home and you're not sick, well, that's a different story, and we'll talk about that later. But I, I want to let you know that I am glad you're here for this holiday and, and that we are here to study the Word of God. What I wanted to do, uh, you know, probably most pastors will begin something this day about New Year's resolutions. I shared this on Sunday, or Wednesday. I will not. Uh, but what I would like to do is start a series this morning called All in the Family. Uh, I, I thought about playing the All in the Family theme. I said, no, I won't do that. <laughs> uh, but what I wanted to do is share with you just the reality. You see, according to surveys, Barna and a few others, that seven out of ten kids when they graduate high school will not return to church. And the divorce rate is the same among professed believers as it is unbelievers. The model of the family has changed. And as I say many times, if you look at any show on TV, dad is the bumbling idiot, mama's the peacemaker, and the children rule the home. And that's a fact. Unfortunately, a lot of that has crept into the church. You see, I meet a lot of people that are looking for programs. They're looking for things that help in their family, not necessarily help, but babysit their family. Now go with me. What is amazing and what I have found out that even people that are uh, having a mass exodus from the church, youth and adults as well, it's a lot of the mainstream churches that have all the greatest programs you could ever imagine. But there's good news. The ones that are not in a mass exodus are those who have godly families at home. Listen to me this morning. It is not the church's job to raise your kids. It's your job. We are a supplement and a corporate place of worship and a corporate, corporate place of growth to the transformation that God has wrought in you. We're to come together and worship, grow, minister to one another, but let me assure you that the foundation of a home must rest on Christ. And we will help you. We will help you grow. We will help nurture you to the best of our ability, but it begins in your home. And this morning, I want to talk about the children. And I'm going to take a very verse that we know all well. We see it hung in our homes. We see it in stores. We, we see this verse. But so many times it is taken out of context. 
And if you have your Bibles with me, or you can look up on the screen, go to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. Very simple verse, so it may seem. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the point that I want to bring you to this morning before I get into the message is a lot of people you say, well, children always stay at home. No, children depart. No matter how hard you try, and there are some children that will go different paths. <clears throat> but understand this, like I said Wednesday night, that if you bring them up in the instruction of the Lord, no matter where they go, it's always implanted in their head, let him handle the results. But train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I'm going to talk about parenting and children this morning. Now, I will not tell you that I'm the greatest parent. I don't have the credentials of Charles Swindoll, Dr. Spock, or these other people that walk and claim to be uh, parental professionals. But what I do know is regardless of where somebody is or what somebody says, the foundation for a family is found in Scripture. So he says, train up a child in the way they should go. Now, there's a difference between training and education. Now, I want to make this abundantly clear. The difference in education is that you are trying to obtain knowledge. Training is that knowledge is put into a skill. So if you're to train a child, it's not simply giving them head knowledge, but teaching them. It was amazed to me, I can't remember who it was that took a survey that said most teenagers today can't change all. Man, I learned to change all when I was 12. And it wasn't by my choice. But the family dynamic has left because we're not teaching our children. The world is. So let me give you an example. Listen to me. You got to ask yourself, what are we teaching our kids? Are we raising them up as believers, if we're believers, in fear and admonition of the Lord? Or are we raising our children up to let somebody else raise them up? So train up a child in the way he should go. I want to give you six things this morning that I pray that you will take into heart on how we should raise our children. And not according to Chad's opinion, but according to God's word. Listen, number one, you must be knowledgeable. Now, what do you mean? No, I'm not saying everybody needs a degree. But if you're to raise up a child in the way you should go, in God's ways, you need to have some biblical knowledge. I used to have a friend, or my wife and I had some friends that Every time we talk to them over the many years, they got a question to ask you about the Bible. Now, I understand I'm not talking about something that takes 10, 15 degrees, but something that was simple. And I said, well, why don't you answer it? So many parents have come to me, I need you to share the gospel with my child. Why don't you do it? Because what happens is, if we don't know the Word of God, and we do not show that in our family, what your children will hear is that of the world. That's why sex has become so perverted, because we've allowed our, the world to share our children what it means to be sexual. We have shared with the world what it means about marriage. 
We have shared with the world what it means about, or let the world share with us what it means about discipline. And I look at my life over the past few years, when I was in school to where my children are in school now, and how much the world has changed because we've allowed the world to raise our children and the parents have stopped. There must be knowledge. And I want to share with you today this. Some of the greatest knowledge you can give your children is the Word of God. Parents, do your children see you reading the Bible? Or only picking it up on Sundays? This is very interesting to me. Now I know my may everybody in here has children. This is applicable to you too. He could even go back to the times when you was a child. That I can remember seeing my grandfather read the Word of God continuously and it made an impression upon my heart. He knew where to go for instruction. And he grew. And this is the thing. Increasing your biblical knowledge won't save you, but I can tell you what it'll do. It'll point you in the right direction. Amen? You must be knowledgeable. Deuteronomy 6 says that we're to write the law upon the doorpost. Teach it to your children. Teach it to your children. You see, training a child is when you teach the Word of God to a child, what you're saying is the world will tell you this, but the Creator of the world has told you this. Now, being knowledgeable also means that you need to be right yourself. Too many times we of us as parents that did this, something used to drive me crazy. Daddy, why did you do that? Why do I need to do this? Because I said so. Remember that? I said so. Do as I say, not as I do. That's one of the most damaging statements you can say to your children. Because the other reason that children are leaving the church is because they say that parents and, and Christians are hypocrites. Do you lead by example? If you're knowledgeable, you'll live it out in your life and not just regurgitate head knowledge. Amen? Your life shows what you are learning. Number two, you need to be available. How can you train somebody if you're never there? I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to ball games and see very few parents there. Or how many times at Bible school. Or how many times at different things that we've used the church or others for babysitting. Because we don't want to be involved. Let me tell you something. We need to be available in our children's lives. They need to see that we ought to be the first line of defense that come up to them. This side of heaven. Because understand that if you're not available, you can't teach. And an absent parent is just that. An absent parent. I made that mistake when my older boys were younger. I will not make that mistake again. I have told everybody, and listen to this real clear, you've heard me say this. When I resigned my, the church that I had when my wife was pregnant with twins, I, I, I used the words of Dr. Jabed Jeremiah. First and foremost, I'm a Christian, which means God comes first in my life. Number two, I'm a spouse, which means this side of heaven, my wife is number one. Number three, I'm a parent, which means this side of heaven, my children are number two. Okay? Did everybody hear that? If you're married, your spouse is number one. Your children are number two. Period. And last, I'm a pastor. 
Yep, y'all last. Because if I can't handle one, two, and three, then I can't handle number four. You have to be available. Which means being available is, yes, we're all going to have to work. We're going to have to do things. But do our kids know that we always want to be there for them? To be able to teach, you've got to be there to give them the opportunity to learn. Being available. Number three, this is a good one. You need to be teachable. You need to be teachable. Contrary to popular belief, you don't know everything. Learn from other wise believers. You see, I had a person tell me one time that my children react to different things than yours probably react. Nah. Shove them in the corner, leave Mary to be hot. Let me tell you something. Understand what works in your family not work, might not work in someone else's, methodology-wise. But the Word of God is continuous and constant. Use His Word to grow in your family and listen to those who are wise in God's Word to help you along. Does that make sense? To be a good trainer, you've got to be teachable. One thing I've learned being in industry and being bivocational most of my life is the fact that I can learn a lot from people who have not as much time in the field as I have. Because the knowledge that they had, they gathered from somebody else who were like me, where I may be strong in another area, they were strong in another area, and we combine that. It is amazing what we do when we work together, amen? Be teachable. Knowledgeable, available, teachable. That's how we train a child. But what is the way he should go? If we're going to train him in the way he should go, number four, we need to be patient. Not everybody gets it at the same pace, people. And Chad, how can you apply that biblically? I'll tell you what, because God is patient, or the Bible will call him long-suffering with us. And if you're going to teach in the way of the Lord, who are you to say you don't have to have patience when God has more patience with you than you'll ever know? Exodus 34, Numbers 14, Jeremiah 9, or Nehemiah 9. Long-suffering. He gives you a lot of patience. Now, of course, listen to me. God's patience will come to an end. That is scriptural. His patience with you is you may come under repentance. Understand as a parent, you have patience. Not everybody's going to get it at the same pace in time. Not everybody's going to learn. Not everybody's going to grasp everything at the same time. But make sure you're not the problem. You see, what's amazing to me about this is my kids will tell you, and I'm mad enough to stand up here, I'm not the greatest teacher when it comes to math. That's how you do it. And, and, and I don't understand it. <sighs> Tiffany! 
And we laugh, but we're all like that in certain aspects. Because we're a people that's wired with instant gratification. And we expect our children to be the same way. You got to get it. But God is patient with us. Christ is patient with us. And let me tell you something else too. I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but I want to make this abundantly clear when it comes to your child's salvation. You can't force a child to be saved. And as God is patient with you in long-suffering, that you would come unto repentance, understand forcing a child to do something that God has not convicted their to do does more damage than it does good. I've seen this so many times. It's time for you to be saved. Who made you God? The Holy Spirit must work in that life of the child. We cannot force salvation in our own homes. Please listen to me on this. But what we can do is be patient in sharing the Word of God. Which brings me to the number five. Persistent. Here's the thing. I can't save a soul. No adult. I've never saved a soul. Any pastor that says, I've saved so many souls, I've did this, I've... Run. Christ alone saves. We are used as instruments for His glory to share the Word of God. I'm persistent in sharing with my children or others, look, look to God's Word. What does it say? And I have to understand that God's timing is not my timing. I'm persistent in the Word, but I let God's Word work in my kids. Please grasp that. Are you persistent? You see, do they see us as parents as persistent? Luke 18 tells us about the persistence of prayer. Hebrews talks about the persistence of faith. Isaiah tells us about the persistence of waiting, but pressing on. Wait on the Lord, but persist. Press on. Our children or anybody else want to see somebody that gives up easy. I may not know this side of who, or this side of heaven, who will be saved or what will change. But what I can know is when I leave this world, I labored in prayer that God would take care of things in his own time and way. Persistence. Number six, this is a good one, consistent, consistent. Here, here's the thing. Hebrews 13 tells me that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He's unchanging. Guys, we have to be unchanging in how we lead and direct our kids. Let me give you an example, just a, just a little one before I get into one of my last points. Now, when I was a child, if my mom and dad said, wait, do you got home? 
It was bad. And they followed through with what they said they were going to do. They didn't forget about it. You see what happens when children see our inconsistence, that's what leads them to think that we're hypocritical because we pick and choose what we want to hold them accountable for. You see, there's something about being inconsistent with a Christian. And I want you to think about this and how it plays into being a parent. You see, an inconsistent person, like James would say, is some person that, in other words, rides the fence. You're back and forth, back and forth. That's not being headstrong toward the Lord. People will pick up on our inconsistency. Say, for instance, if you're always late, if you're always doing something you shouldn't do, but you say you live another way, understand this. If we're inconsistent, our children will be inconsistent. Now, I'm going to give you something that might upset some of you, but I want you to bear with me. I have learned this. When it comes to training the way he should go, let me tell you how a lot of people train their kids. And I've learned this. I myself have too. If you a jerk to people, your child will be a jerk to people. If you look down on people, your child will look down on people. If you're a drama king or queen, your child will be a drama king or queen. If you're a liar, your child will be a liar. Now that strikes, don't it? But they regurgitate what they see. And so many times it goes back to what I said a little earlier. That if you say do as I do, or do as I say not as I do, then why would they believe the word of God? Think about it. So if the Bible says this, I really don't have to. We must be consistent in our lives. Are we going to fail? Absolutely. Have my kids seen me lose my temper? Absolutely. Have my kids seen me fuss at my wife? My wife fuss at me? Absolutely. But what I've understood is that if we are not consistent in how we handle them, they will not trust the consistency of the Bible. You see, I have something in a rule in my house. Okay, I had it with my older boys, I'll have it with them. I don't care how mature you think you are, how old you are as a teenager, as long as you're under my house, you're under my rules. I'm not my friend's best, I'm not my parent, or kid's best friend. Now that makes people mad, maybe even some of you. Get the kid's best friend glasses out and put off the parent glasses. Because here's the deal. The rule that I have in my house is this. If you're under my house, you're under my authority. Which means you'll be home. Well, I'm 18 years old. I don't care how old you are. My house. And you'll be home when I tell you you're home. Number two, I don't care how old you are, you will not be with a girl in my house by yourself. Never will forget my boys got so mad at me when they were teenagers. Well, so-and-so wants to come over. Well, your brother or one of us is going to be here. Daddy, really? Really? Yeah, really. Because what we fail to understand is a lot of times kids are smarter than we are. 
And when it comes to consistency, listen to this. Not only consistency or availability and accountability, and throw that one out there, but I know me, if I get my eyes off Jesus, I'm subject to do anything at any given time. And all it takes is a teenage hormone in the wrong place at the wrong time, and anything can happen. Well, my child wouldn't do that. You better wake up. Oh, my child wouldn't do that. I know them. Yeah, okay. Any of us are capable of doing anything when we get our eyes off the cross. Don't ever forget that. And I would tell my boys, look, same thing. I want to go to her house. Her parents are going to be home? Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm going to call them. Now, can I stop everything? No, I can't. But I'll tell you this. My kids know that Daddy, to the best of his, best of his ability, is going to lead as the Bible says to lead. Because I brought my children up to tell them that premarital relations was wrong. And it's not just that, it's anything. You see, to train a child in the way he should go, it's not the way the world says he should go. It's the way the Word of God says they should go. And if God is patient, He's persistent, He's consistent, and we're Christians, shouldn't we, if we're going to represent somebody, be a representation of Christ Almighty? It don't change. And number seven, I added this, and I said six, you're going to get seven. Maybe one more, but anyway, I'm adding these as I go. All right, now everybody's going to throw things at me, but listen to me. To train up a child in the way you go, then you need to be steady in your discipline. Chad, you said we need to beat the fire out of our kids. No, what I am telling you is this. You need to be consistent with the discipline that they learn from it and not overlook it. You see, when I want to tell you how things have changed. Now, I'm 50 years old. Me and my buddy Eric, we went to the same school together. And he would tell you this. When you got in trouble and went to the office, let me tell you something. I never will forget this. Greer High School. I walked into the office. He said, Mr. Howard, we're lenient on those that come into the office for the very first time. Two licks or two days. Give me the two licks, pal. Worst mistake I ever made in high school. <laughs> Mr. Martin was rough. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't go back. But the world's changed. Because the world tells you that your children, we shouldn't discipline our kids. They should be their own person. Be you first. Now understand what I'm saying. Discipline is biblical. As a matter of fact, are you sure, Chad? Yeah, let me share a verse with you. It, I'm going to tell you something. One of the biggest things that we have an issue with is how we, how do I put this? I want to be careful because I don't want to hear anybody hear what I'm not saying. We often afraid we're going to hurt feelings. Guys, I'm thankful sometimes that my feelings got hurt. 
because it taught me, it taught me how to live right. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says. And it's kind of funny to me because <laughs> I know where y'all going to go with this, but listen to me. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, I didn't say that. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying here, people. Whatever discipline you do, be consistent at it, but understand this. You don't have to teach your children to be bad. It's written in their hearts. You have to teach them to be good. Listen to me. Listen to me. How many of you ever watched a child? Okay, now listen. Now, I, I, got, I got four children and I got two grandchildren. And my three-year-old loved him to death. But he knows where the cookies are and he knows where he's not supposed to have them. Don't do that. Because every human being is born depraved. And they want to do things their own way. And it's up to the parent to show them the ways of Christ. That he transforms that wickedness and turns it into righteousness. And they do that by discipline. You see, Christ disciplines those whom he loves. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews. Fathers whip their children. Our heavenly father punishes his children. Let me mean, mean whip. Our heavenly father punishes us that we may learn and grow. Punishment and discipline should always be for the growth of the child, not of your anger. Do you hear me? It's for teaching, not for beating. I have no respect for a man or woman who beats a child. You want to beat on somebody, come beat on me. Discipline is for teaching, not for beating. Is that clear? So I don't want anybody to go out this door thinking anything different. But I honestly believe consistent discipline will teach our children we will mean what we say. And so does God. You see, I wanted to share that with you to get to the second verse. And even when he is old, it will not depart from him. Now go with me on this. The Bible says it's also, it's not his will for any to perish, but all to come to a saving relationship in Jesus Christ. But some still do. Okay? Some still depart. But listen to me, please, like I said at first. That if you impart godly wisdom into your child, Regardless of whether they may go, it's still stuck in that mind. And it's stuck in that heart somewhere. And you continue to be persistent in prayer. And let God handle the results. See, it's like the prodigal son. He wanted what his, and he wanted it right now. J.D. Wentworth. Gotta have it. And he went his own way. But through the realization as he was feeding pigs, he seen that his father was a servant. And he says, oh, that I may go home. And he did. And his father welcomed him with open arms. 
as a parent, there will be those times when those children rebel. You may have a child now. They may be going far away. But you be persistent in your prayer life because don't think God can't bring them back. And you welcome them with open arms. You see, as I told you, God was patient. I praise his holy name that he didn't give up on me because I chose to run, but Christ chose to pursue me. Every one of us has a God-sized hole that only he can fill. And that child, whether they're one years old, they're an infant, or whether they're 25, they're still your children. You teach them the way of the Lord. And you let him take care of the results. But you are responsible for making sure you teach them in the way of the Lord. You see, sometimes when people hear me talk about things like this, I bet it's going through your mind now. Wait, does he get on husbands and wife? Man, y'all haven't heard nothing yet. I'm just kidding. Not really, but, but look, I want to close with this, and I'm ashamed to say, I've read other people's books on parenting, even before I was saved. I read people's books on how to be that perfect spouse. I've gone through a lot of things. But the perfect illustration has been given to me in a volume of 66 books called God's Word. If we would just read it. I pray today that those of you who are here and those of you online, please heed what I say. If you don't raise your children in the godly wisdom that he has given us through his Word, the world will raise your children for you. And here's the thing, as I said at the beginning. There is hope because the ones that are not exiting the church are the ones that have been raised in godly homes. It wasn't about a program. It wasn't about that church. It's got seven arcade machines. It wasn't about all the cool things we did. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that because somebody hear what I say and they'll go run with it. Do we have children's church here? Yes, we do. Do we have vacation Bible school? Yes, we do. But the foundation of Christ must be built in the home. And I pray today, you say, Chad, my children's long gone. You know what? They're still your children. And they'll always be your children. You keep living for the Lord and letting Him handle things in His way. Let Him see that you are patient, you're persistent, you're consistent, you're growing in knowledge of the Bible, you make yourself available. And I promise you, he will walk with you, he will teach you, and he will use you to teach your children. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for all that you continue to do in our lives. God, I pray today that each one of us would seek your face to see that if we're raising our children the way we should. God, I failed. I'm not going to say I don't. I'm not the perfect parent. Ask my kids. But God, what I do know is you have given us an instruction book and it's your holy word. It is God-breathed according to Scripture. Everything here in this text has been breathed by you. You who has always been, will always be, and always unchanging. God, your word is firm. It is sincere. It is truth. That, Lord, we may embrace it. As Colossians 3 tells us, Lord, 
that let the words of Christ richly dwell within us. That they not only dwell in us, they take up residence in us. That we teach truth. God, we pray today if there's one that's sitting here, whether it's a child or an adult with a God-sized hole that only you can feel, Lord, I ask that you convict their heart. Lord, we don't know when we're going to leave this earth, but we can know how we leave it. The Bible tells me, Lord, that whosoever shall call upon your name shall be saved. And Lord, if we turn to you and turn from our sin and we place our faith and trust in you, you give us a new nature. And Lord, we strive and grow and long for you each day as we see the future unfolding ahead of us. God, one thing that I cannot not tell people is as a born-again believer, I've never been promised I would be removed from any trial. But God, what I know for sure, if I leave this earth today, or whether I leave it in 10 years from now, because of my faith and trust in you, I will spend eternity with you. God, thank you so much. Lord, you are worthy alone. Are you alone or worthy to be praised? We thank you, we love you, and all God's people said, stand and worship with us. Mm-hmm.